Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Noah Averback-Katz from Star Trek Discovery, and this has been a great opportunity to talk to somebody, not only in a current TV show, but if you happen to be getting this episode when it drops, you're going to be seeing today's episode being discussed on there. So let's get started right away. On mic today, we have Noah Averback-Katz. How are you doing today, fine sir? I am doing really, really well. Excited to be here. Excited to get to talk to you, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. I mean, I got to tell you, I loved your performance on Star Trek Discovery. I love Discovery just because it tends to introduce these characters very slyly, and then you just absolutely fall in love with them. So <laughs> it be- that that's becoming the show's trademark in my mind, if nobody else. I love that trademark. That's really cool. I think they do do a good job of just like sort of being like, oh, I'm... I'm so attached to this person, and I like don't even really know how that even happened. Yeah, exactly. It's like you think that they're going to be a bit part, a two-line character, and then it's like, oh, wait, they're back in the next episode. Is this going mm-hmm. somewhere? <laughs> and I'm not used to that, and I like this. Yes, it, it's not the sort of like, you know, you have your beginning, middle, end in one episode, although some characters do, but, you know, you're able to get to know people a little better, get to see other sides of people. I think I just watched um, uh, Terra Firma Part 2, and I think they do that with Carl really nicely, where you kind of, he's not just like, he's more than one thing, you know, which I, mm-hmm. I think is, is just a lot of fun and, and adds some depth. And it's also, you know, as a as an actor, it's super fun to get to to play. You know, you get more room to kind of, work your craft and that's i i haven't watched terraform part two yet it just dropped today and i like to wait till i can get cozy i'm not one of those people it's like up sorry at spoilers spoilers oh, sorry it's cool, it's cool. <laughs> uh, if, if we know carl is a couple different things there's a bunch of things he could be so that doesn't really count too much in my mind yeah. um but yeah it, you're getting to know the character you get to own the character what yeah. were you given when you first got the script Gosh, you know, I, I read the script and it went through a couple of changes. So like by the time I actually got on set, I had like, you know, it, it's this thing where they sort of overwrite something and then pair it back. So they had overwritten it in a way where I really got to like see a little bit more who the character was. Mm-hmm. And, and and in a way where it's like, oh, I don't need to say all these extra lines. I could just play this. I can just like be mm-hmm. this guy, you know. So I, I really got a sense of of you know, the oppressive uh, nature of the thing he's under. I really got a sense of how much it cost him to sort of go up against Osira and this huge sort of um, crime syndicate, basically, and try and topple that and and how it failed and how much it cost him. Uh, and I also got sort of a sense of, like, you know, what his role was on in 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 the chain as well and and sort of why he knew this information that he did so so it was really helpful and then sort of a lot of that just kind of was like we don't really need all that you know we don't need to like have these big uh exposition moments and i can just kind of play you know how these things have affected him you know and what tack are you taking there is there a certain thing in your mind when you uh go into each episode um, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to have him fit in the world, you know, I don't want him to stand out and I don't want him to disappear into the background. You know, I, I think you're really trying to fit him into a, a Star Trek, uh, a universe, you know, so it's somebody who 
has a, has a lot of uh, is more than one thing, you know. It's it's happiness, it's sadness, it's conflict. You know, there's a lot of internal conflict over things that have happened, and then you know, it's also I, I think in 308, which was so fun, is you just get a glimpse of like his impression of what the Federation is, you know, mm-hmm. and it really speaks a lot to like how this universe views the federation almost as like this type of boogeyman you know and just maybe this sort of propaganda campaign against the federation and so i think it just was really fun to get to just like touch on that and and bring that to the front you know it's it's amazing that you're saying that because i have felt throughout this whole season that season three specifically is almost a metaphor for the Star Trek fandom taking the journey it's had over the past 20 years. <laughs> That's interesting. And, and if I can elaborate just for the people who might be wondering what the heck I'm talking about, I, I mean, we left the Star Trek universe broadly at the end of Enterprise, which was 12 years before Discovery started. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of JJ movies in between, but by and large, the, the fandom was like, is it over? Is yeah. it done? I mean, I was right there with you, you know, that's what I felt, you know, I I remember I had a conversation with my mom after Enterprise and she's like, it's over, you know, that's it. It sort of ended on such, you know, I I love Enterprise, but I think everybody can sort of agree it sort of ended in this, like, how do you recover from that? You know, it Mm -hmm. just really felt like we just are done. We just have nothing left. There's nowhere left to go. Uh, so yeah, I I I get that. So go go ahead, keep going. going. And, And then we had Discovery and it came back and it was great, but... You know, we're now so far in the future and TV has changed so much and storytelling has changed so much. Yes. And we're looking at this and we're like we're like the crew of the Discovery looking at the 29th century saying, I don't recognize what's around. Yeah. Is that this is this a bad thing or a good thing? I don't know. I love that. You know, I, I think that's really astute and a really, really good point, you know, because. I've gone back and recently and, you know, when I was preparing for the role, watched a ton of Enterprise and it's just so clear, you know, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, Voyager and Next Generation, especially early Next Generation are such a product of the time, you know, and so there's no way a show like Enterprise or Deep Space Nine could happen in 2020 or 2017. You know, it's mm-hmm. just not possible, especially it's not just the TV medium, how much it's changed with sort of prestige uh, TV and and, you know, like the, the continuing storylines of television that you can do when you're on a streaming platform and it's not sort of a primetime one off, um, but also the the demands that are made of a of a property from a larger corporation, sort of in the same way, you know, Disney needs Marvel and Star Wars to do certain things. And CBS, Paramount, Viacom, CBS needs Star Trek to do certain things. So, you know, what I think Alex Kurtzman has done so well, and I, I think really deserves a huge, huge amount of credit for. And I think his sort of time will come when he's sort of put up there with guys like Ron Moore, you know, all these guys who who are stewards of the franchise is negotiate the relationship between CBS and between the fan base and between what is called for from a modern prestige television show. And I, I think what you're talking about is sort of like we're in this new world and we don't know what to think about it. We don't know what's up or what's down or what's left or what's right is really astute. And, and I think it's, it's, 
in a way, it, it really puts the characters, their journey, really close to the fan base journey in a very fun way. Mm-hmm. So I, I really love that. I think that's really spot on. Well, thanks. I, I don't know if that's intentional in the minds of the writers, but to me, it's so blatant it has to be said. Well, yeah, you know, if it's not intentional, I'll mention it to them and they can take credit for it. Well, that's fine by me. <laughs> I, I, I have no pride, as anybody who knows me is aware. <laughs> but yeah, and it's odd to me seeing the people now and hey if you don't like anything in my mind that's your right i will never argue the point but to me it's just so strange anybody who's saying that enterprise was the good old days or voyager was the good old days or because i i remember those days and i remember people complaining so loudly about the things that they're now clutching their pearls and saying we're what we need back i'm like "Uh, yes you know it's it's really an an interesting thing. Look, I mean, you know, fandom is fandom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think there's there's sort of two things. There's sort of a level of fandom that is, uh, you know, uh, aggressive and uncalled for and extremely kind of like uh, horrible. You know what I mean? And we see that in a lot of fandoms. You know, we especially saw that in Star Wars uh, with the new movies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no place for that. I don't, that doesn't even really deserve addressing because it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But there is, you know, a, a level of fandom where Discovery is just not it for them. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. There's 500 hours, 500 episodes of 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 star trek for you to watch and enjoy and those still exist and and you get to own those um but at the same time i i do really think people have some rose-colored glasses when they look back especially on early seasons of the next generation you know especially on certain episodes of enterprise a lot of voyager and some deep deep space nine where it's like you know guys like these episodes really suck (laughs) <laughs> like and I mean that and I say that with love. You know no, no, I, mean? I get like, it. I say that with love and I think anybody would be like, Yeah, we didn't totally nail it there. So, you know, I, I think I think, you know, fans want something like this to come out of the box fully formed, you know, completely mm-hmm. ready to go. And it's 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 just really, really difficult to do. And I think that just like every iteration of Star Trek the this show is continuing to find its voice to find its rhythm to find its style and i think it's really starting to settle in and and for people who have stuck with it or are coming to it you know encountering it for the first time i think it's really paying off and i think it's also paying off because it's able to bring in new fans and more mm-hmm. fans and younger fans and i think that's so smart and so important because if you know, a show like Discovery is so limited that it can't bring in anybody new. It can't bring in younger people who don't have a relationship to Spock. You know, a, a younger person born in 2001 who comes to the show because of Blue and Ian or because of the Nickelodeon show, they may know who Spock is, but they're not going to be like, oh, my God, you know, it's Spock. It's reunification part three. I'm, the, you know, and and if those people aren't coming to the show, then Star Trek will die again in 20 years because there will be no fans left to to give a crap about it. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I think I think it's done a really masterful job in in reaching the the fans who are there for it and also reaching new fans which is which is very very important it is important and i think a lot of people lose sight of that a lot of people 
want it to be their own personal play thing, and it it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why I love sitting down and talking with somebody like yourself who actually, it's literally your job to make it, and you can't go to every Jeremy and say, what do you <laughs> want me to do today? And Jeremy is my generic term for any entitled fanboy. So. And you know, you know, like, I, I think that... I think that the show has has done a lot of work and works really hard to acknowledge like the the current events, you know, with the Voyager, with Nog, with the Yelchin, like they're they're a part of the community, you know. They're they're saying like, "Look, we hear you guys. We know what's going on. We we are not trying to make a show that is just for us or that we like put our stamp on Star Trek and say, you know, screw all that. We are we're here and we're trying to work with you guys we're 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 a part of this community you know and that's absolutely right and i love it i i really do um when when you're when you're actually putting yourself into this when you're you're getting into it you're going in as a fan a long time fan and that's why i've loved following your twitter um (laughs) i mean i I saw you pop up about a month ago and like i followed this guy and i will put your twitter in the show notes because you're that much fun to, to follow but what's what's it like to grab hold of it as a fan god you know that's such a great question i i feel like part of the experience of a star trek fan is imagining yourself on the ship and not as the hero captain you don't imagine yours maybe you do you know a little bit but people can imagine themselves as the science officer or in engineering kind of uh, as a piece of the whole, you know, I think that's what's so amazing about Star Trek is everybody feels, all the characters feel like, you know, they're indispensable. They make up the larger thing. Mm. Um, and in with that comes this, this sort of, you know, dream of being on the ship, you know, of being there and doing it and, and, and also being with the cast, you know, we, we, we all know, all the cast stories, you know, we all have gone to conventions and heard the same story twice and life laughed just as hard both times. You know, it's it's part of being part of the family and part of the community. And there was a real concern where I'm going to go on set and it's going to suck. You know, what a letdown where it's like nobody really gives nobody really cares. Nobody's like excited, you know, and the sets are just like flimsy cardboard and I can you know, put my hand through them if I lean over, but it was the exact opposite. You know, it was, it was going on the set and walking through the hallways of discovery and getting lost, you know, having no idea how I wound up in med in, in sick bay and, and I have no idea how to get back to where they're shooting. It's like on the other side of the ship, you know, it's, it's the level of detail and thought that goes into the costumes and the prosthetics and the props, you know, everyone is so excited about the things that they're making and, and they're excited because they're artists and they love to do it, but they're also excited because they know that they're adding something to the star trek universe you know every time there's a new prop the prop guy is just like you have to check this out you have to press the buttons this is so cool i can't believe it gets to be part of star trek you know and and i i I just think as a fan you know coming in and seeing everyone's level level of dedication everyone is working so hard everyone is so excited to be making star trek you know it it really was just such a gratifying experience. And part of my thing on Twitter is just like, I want to pass as little as just a tiny piece of that experience to everybody else, you know, to like be able to share in that 
uh, because I found it so personally gratifying, so rewarding and so special that that I kind of want to like say to everyone, like it is as good as you imagine. You know, you were right to keep imagining this. It is amazing. And that's, again, an amazing thing you can mention, because Discovery is, in my mind, the one Star Trek where they really hammered it home that it is not about a singular captain. It's about the yeah. whole ship, the whole crew. So, I mean, you can go in there with your character and be just as much of the story as Saru or Michael or Tilly, because they're not focused. I mean, we have like, what, four different captains in three seasons at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think that, you know, it, 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 it was it was it was, uh, you know, intense to break the mold like that because you're so used to having the sort of here's the captain and everything's laid out. But I also think it was really smart because like the reality is, is these things are complicated. They do change. And I think, you know, especially in our sort of 2020 world, everything is always in flux. Everything is always changing. And so much of it is people, you know, giving giving and helping you know so when somebody new steps up when tilly gets promoted it's not about you know oh does she deserve it or whatever it's about everybody just stepping up to the plate you know which i think is such an amazing message of you know support of community of really showing up for people and also believing in the person you know, saying not saying, well, I don't know if you can do it. I, I think you can, uh, you have to prove it to me. It's like, I know you. I believe in you. And, I, and I'm here to support you. And I, I just think that's so awesome. Mm -hmm. And I mean, going back to there, there have been a couple cases. Like I remember that Voyager had the Equinox and, and TOS had a couple rogue captains sure. where, you know, the, the captain who was supposed to be the shining example of Federation ideals goes bad and yeah. takes the whole crew down with them. And you always wonder what happened to those ships? Well, now you know. This, this, <laughs> now you get us behind the scenes almost. That, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely, definitely great. And you kind of get the example of what happens when there is that power vacuum, but people step up to the plate in a good mm -hmm. way, you yeah. know, which, which I think is awesome as well. Absolutely. And I said, you know, Tilly getting promoted when you're wondering, can she do it? And, you know, I can't lie those thoughts went through my head too but then i'm realizing i had the same thoughts when you know the chris pine version of kirk got the ship sure. right away right out of the sure. academy and i'm like not sure about this but let's see where it goes yeah you know and i think that's part of the journey you know is it, tilly's not sure about it that's sort of no. part of her journey too you know so I, I i think that's that's good and it also you know as opposed to like i'm not sure about this and something's gonna go wrong and she's gonna fail and everything sucks it is this thing of like we're not sure about it, but she really shows up and she really grows into the role. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I just think that's just a really, really cool thing to see for, for everybody who that's happened to happen to. Another way that Discovery's broken the mold in a good way is to not be afraid to show failures, personal yes. failures, systemic failures. That's always been something that Star Trek shied away from because we have the great Gene Roddenberry ideal. Right. Yeah, but we have humans, too. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think I think a lot of of especially early discovery, you know, it's sort of centered on the wrong decisions that Michael makes. Uh, and I think that's such an interesting and difficult thing to to grapple with and, and to watch how she kind of comes back from it. I don't know. You know, there is there is something very human that I can certainly relate to about having a huge portion of your life defined by making a wrong decision 
and how to keep going after that. So I, I just thought it was really interesting and and really impactful for me. It, you need to be able to see that. It, it's a better way of seeing yourself in the characters than always having the characters who can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Who they're, mm-hmm. they're wearing the right badge, so therefore you know they, they've got the right ideas. And, I mean, I know what they're going for, but it's sometimes very hard to look at Picard and Kirk and say, yeah, that can be me on the screen. That I know yeah. what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So is it easier to look at a script and then just say, okay, I know where to take this? You know, when I, it's such a cool thing having worked on, having, having watched and, and thought about Star Trek so much that there is really something about knowing the genre, you know, and knowing how much um fun it can hold you know so with something like the grudge bit not feeling like i had to play it overly serious or kind of small or you know in a way that couldn't be fun you know i I think knowing star trek so well and knowing how much room there is for fun in star trek is really freeing and it also is able you know i think it can just hold so much range so you have you know one moment of fun and another moment of contemplation and another moment of seriousness i think knowing that allows you to really uh bring a lot to 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 the work yeah and grudge being another fantastic addition that you just (laughs) it's out of left field you didn't even know where it was and i mean by the time somebody gets this it'll come out today but it may be months or years down the road it it might be just part of star trek at this point but yeah a week or so before season three of discovery started you just saw this picture of a cat on twitter (laughs) and and you had no idea what it was or where it was going but it's like there's a new cat on star trek i'd like that okay and, you know, it's it's a long line of Star Trek pets. There is a very, very long line of, of wonderful Star Trek pets. And I think Grudge is uh, is an admirable uh, addition to that. I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, just the, the fact that everybody in their own life. I mean, if you're a pet person, you know, if you're going to space, you're taking your pet. <laughs> they can so probably funny. adapt better than you can. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I always kind of wondered why dogs weren't more popular, but then you think lately they've shown that every captain except for Cisco had a dog. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So <clears throat> when you're looking, uh, you're going to conventions now. I saw, by the way, that uh, the folks at WeedonCon just booked you. Oh, yeah. Did they release that? I haven't actually seen that. Yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know. Right now, things are a little strange with COVID, so it'll be a virtual convention, but I'm super, super excited, you know. I feel like sort of the last, um, the, 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 the way to close the full circle of the sort of Star Trek fan actor experience will be doing an in-person convention, you know, to get to sit on the other side of the table when I've been on the other side so many times. Mm-hmm. And get to meet so many people and really share in that sort of like fan experience of of getting to to meet somebody and then sort of look over and I'll sort of do that thing where I'm like, oh, my God, like, do you see that person over there? Are you seeing this? I don't, you know, being <laughs> like sort of in between the both worlds. I, I'm just so, so looking forward to it. And I've been really lucky with the interactions I've sort of had on Twitter 
you know, the, the community there has just been so amazing and so supportive and so excited, you know, and the internet can be a very bad place. So I feel very lucky to have not sort of tapped into the, the darkness at all. And it just makes me really excited to meet the fans because I, I share so much of that experience that I really, um, I really just want to keep being a part of it, you know? I, you're going to love it. I, I've worked several <laughs> cons. I can't wait to see you actually get into an in-person con. I, I can't wait. I, I mean, it's number one, when people are coming up to you and just saying they like what you do and they're glad you do it and, and you can make money doing that, that's a pretty good way to spend a day. <laughs> exactly. And, number, and unlike the people in line, you always have a place to sit down. That's a good point. That's a it really is good a point. Great point. <laughs> right. I'll get to be next to all these people who I would pay money to meet anyway, and I get mm-hmm. to sit down. Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay. So um, do you have any in-person cons, even theoretically scheduled, like STLB, you know, Dragon Con? Nothing yet. Nothing okay. yet. It's still very, very early stages. It's it's only been a month, you know. So, uh, so I, I'm just trying to take it day by day and enjoy every interaction that I have, enjoy every picture I get to share. Uh, just really soak it in. You know, it's such a unique experience it's such a special and and lucky experience that you know it when and if the cons come i will be there i will be soaking that in and if they don't you know that's okay too i will be soaking everything else in as well and just really really being appreciative of 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 this experience i think that's an amazing attitude to have i mean you're 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 talking about something we embrace here gratitude it's it's the difference between hope and despair sometimes yeah yeah, yeah, de- definitely, definitely. I mean, the situation we're in now, it's unique. Um, I don't believe it's permanent, but it is definitely long-lasting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, we'll just have to wait and see sort of the post-COVID convention scene, what that is like. I can't even begin to imagine, you know, I'm not nearly smart enough or tapped in enough to, <laughs> to know anything <laughs> at all. So I, I'm just going to enjoy what I've got while I got it, you know? Yeah. Trust in the experts and, and hoping for the best. Exactly. So do you have any other creative plans besides Star Trek? Well, you know, at the moment, I just sort of am like coming to the end of a fundraising campaign that I sort of put out on Twitter for mm-hmm. uh, Type 1 International, which is an advocacy uh, organization that works to uh, provide insulin access and affordability for people both in the United States and all over the world. Uh, it's an amazing organization, uh, and it, the funds that that are raised are really important to it because it doesn't take pharmaceutical money, uh, so that way it's not influenced by by those corporations. So every dollar, every dime that they get really makes a huge, huge difference on what they're able to do. And I I've been chatting with them, and I know that the support that they received. Uh, through me uh, and through the Star Trek community, they've really, really appreciated and has made a massive, massive difference for them. So I'm just sort of, again, just sort of soaking that in and I'm so appreciative. And, you know, on one level, not surprised by the outpouring of support that I've seen from the Star Trek community, but on the other level, absolutely blown away and just so, so, uh, just so, so appreciative and, and, and filled with, you know, it's just all the good stuff that the Star Trek community has to offer and having people show up like that has 
really meant a lot to me personally. Um, and, you know, uh, the other thing that's sort of in the works is, you know, we've been some of the, me and the, the Star Trek Discovery cast have been playing a little Dungeons and Dragons. So we're hoping to kind of get a sort of um, possibly a charity one shot or a, a, some sort of charity thing going uh, probably for a different charity, you know, TBD. But just keep an eye out for that because that will probably be a, a really, really fun event that I'm very excited and very nervous for. I'm so glad you brought up both of those aspects. Thank you so much, because I saw your campaign for Type 1, and I just thought, man, I, I really hope we can get that in here, because I really like to talk about people who use any level of fame they have to do as much good as they can while they can do it. So what, what's your window of opportunity? What, how can we help out as best we can? You know, uh, it, currently it's just like an open campaign. There was like a big push, but if you hear this and you feel inspired and want to donate, you could definitely find it on my Twitter. Um, and if that is closed, if you go there, there's nothing to donate, you know, even following and sharing type one international or, uh, the diabetes mutual aid that I linked to in the kind of, um, longer thread, you know they're they're really small organizations so being able to give them some visibility both allows them to reach out to a bigger community but it also allows uh diabetics who maybe haven't heard of them to uh, either get involved or receive aid so so anything you can do to share or like or follow it, on this level anything makes such a huge huge difference so uh so, so that's what you could do, and 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 it just means means a ton means a ton to me. So I've got a dollar in my wallet right now. <laughs> I pull it out, I send it over. What is it most likely that dollar is going to go to? You know, basically, it's a total you know volunteer run shoestring run organization that's all about advocacy. So you know, it could go to upkeep of the website so that people can come and find information. It could go to, you know, paying lawyer fees or, you know, filing fees as they're trying to change laws in every, in I think 37 of the 50 states right now. It could go to organization fees so that they could help organize protests or demonstrations or information ses sessions for people. Um, you know, they've just been so instrumental in getting things passed like Alex Smith's law, which is, uh, which allows diabetics to uh, uh, fill insulin from a pharmacy if they're in desperate need, which pharmaceutical companies have really, really fought to block. And and when you're going up against a corporation like Lilly or, you know, these other ones, which have huge, huge uh, uh, budgets for this kind of um, lobbying, everything that that you can contribute both financially both with time and both with visibility just really makes a huge huge difference for them and this is i mean lawyer fees and and website fees might not sound like a big deal but for somebody like me who doesn't have diabetes might not realize that insulin is a very usually a very easy thing it's not super expensive in the grand scheme of things but there are so many rules preventing people who need it from getting it and, and you know uh, and, and the cost of insulin in the past 10 years has riven, risen 250%, which is completely uh, a price gouge. You know, mm -hmm. there's no yes, reason the formula has not changed. No. So, you know, to push back against that uh, makes a huge difference. And these are really, you know, life-saving medications. Type 1 diabetics cannot live without this kind of medication. And I also think, you know, for those of you who, uh, of, those of us who aren't, you know, type one diabetic, anytime 
uh, a disability organization is able to make strides forward mm-hmm. in affordability, in recognition, in uh, in 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 laws. Uh, it affects the whole disability community. Mm-hmm. So I like to think, you know, maybe you're not affected by this, but it it, it moves the disability conversation forward in a mm-hmm. way that. You know, if another disability community, whether it's autism or even, you know, uh, you know, cancer research or cancer support, you know, moving those things forward, move me forward as well. So I, I think it's part of the larger conversation as well. It really is. And we're, we're talking about something that it like we just said the price has gone up, but the cost hasn't gone up. So obviously there there's some shenanigans going on there that that where is coming from as a whole other conversation mm-hmm. but you're talking about something that people needed to live just as much as they need food and water mm-hmm. and we're there's somebody out there doing as much as they can to make it more difficult that's not right yeah so hopefully you know it, it's these organizations that are really really making a difference for the people who are rationing insulin for the people who can't afford it for the people who are deciding between groceries and insulin so you know it's it's uh they're not as um, high powered as other larger corporations, but the ability to not sort of be influenced by by really big money is what allows them to really, really make a huge difference. Yeah, I strongly advocate anybody who would like to look into this, go ahead to my website, AaronBosick.com, because I'm going to have the links to everything Noah just mentioned on there. So whether you're getting this today or three years from now, it's still going to be there. And I strongly encourage you to take a look at it. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I really, really appreciate that. No, this is probably a good time for me to put down anything else that uh, I could recommend people follow, your Twitter account, your social media info. Yeah, you know, follow me on Twitter. That's where I do kind of most of my uh, my my social media stuff, mainly because I can interact so much more directly and with, with the fans and have real conversations and have fun. So find me at N underscore A underscore K, N-A-K, and, and say hi. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm already there, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to let you go for now. But I would definitely like to have you back again sometime real soon because this is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, just reach out and I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thanks for talking with me today. Anytime, buddy. All right. Thank you. I would like to thank Noah for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community building part of the show today, I want to stress the word community. Noah and I had a great chance to talk about Type 1, which is one example of a guest on our show using their platform to make the world a better place and to create a charity and do charity work. If you know one of your favorite actors, writers, authors, talents is involved in such a thing, whatever the cause might be, let me know because I want to give those people priority for getting onto Hungry Trilobite. And if you could recommend them going on the Hungry Trilobite, that would be even better. Don't forget, you could subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.